We we talking. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Big Big Ten Football Show. I'm your host Danny Mogo, and with me today is Lloyd Ribner the third here to talk some Big Ten football. Are are you pumped up, Lloyd? Can you not be pumped up this time of year, man? I mean, you got the Big Ten football weather in the air. It's November. Uh, you know, we've got some really big games coming down the stretch, and we've got multiple Big Ten teams in the top ten. So let's get after it. I am uh, PJ Fleck at the end of the quarter mode right now. That's where I am. Right now. That's <laughs> just, my. Just, that's how pumped up I am. <laughs> just sprinting from sprinting from end zone to end zone. All right, and you mentioned it. Three. Let's start right there, Lloyd. Three top ten teams. College football rankings came out last night. Ohio State's number four. They would be, quote-unquote, in the playoff if the season were to end today. Uh, Michigan, two spots behind them at number six. Michigan State at number seven, one spot behind the Wolverines. And the last two teams would be Wisconsin, who's 15th, and Iowa, who is 17th. So, Lloyd, you know, I'll just, you know, open-ended any thoughts on the playoff rankings uh, are these teams, you know, where they should be? Um, do you have a gripe with uh, Michigan being ahead of Michigan State? What, what are your thoughts with the Big Ten and the college football playoff rankings? Sure. So I think, you know, for me, I, I think at the end of the day, and as we heard and have heard every single week from those at ESPN, they keep telling us whether it's uh, Reese Davis, Kirk Street, David Pollock, that hey, this is all going to take care of itself at the end, yet uh, they still expect everybody to tune in and, and watch their show every single week. So I'm not really sure why we're watching if it's just going to play out in the end. Um, not me. me personally, I'm not watching. <laughs> but for me, it's, it's one of those things where Michigan's, it, to me, the Oregon-Ohio State, Michigan-Michigan State, for me, it's just got to be more consistent one way or the other. I'm fine with Ohio State being ahead of Oregon and Michigan being ahead of Michigan State or vice versa. Um, when, when you know, you have Gary Barta, who is a Big Ten person, uh, the AD of Iowa coming out and saying, well, when you look at uh, – when you come out and you look at, uh, you know, the statistics for Michigan and they're – you know, across the board better than Michigan State. I, I would say just about the same thing about Ohio State and Oregon. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're a Buckeye fan, you feel real happy with where you're sitting at number four, controlling your own destiny more now than ever with that Oklahoma loss, um, which, you know, just absolutely pummeled them um, in the rankings with them dropping down to 13. And you've got the Buckeyes who are going to be facing off against Michigan State and then Michigan in back-to-back weekends. And, you know, it's just going to be really exciting. And it's really going to put the Big Ten on the on the truest of national stages uh, over the next, you know, 10 days or so where they're going to be potentially defining what the playoff picture is going to look like on, on the field. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and Gary Bart is not just a big 10, uh, guy, but he also did play football. That's the answer. Uh, another former big 10 guy, Luke Fickle's question. Did this guy even play football? Cause you know, obviously you had to have played football to wrap your brain around the complexities of ranking teams. You know what I mean? But, uh, Luke Fickle, he did. Gary Bart did play college football. So I, I think he might've actually played at a higher level than Luke Fickle did. So I guess that means he knows more about football than Luke Fickle. You know what I mean? If, if that is, if that is the criteria, 
right? <clears throat> um, that there's a yeah. lot of guys out there that know a lot more about football than Nick Saban, apparently, if that's the criteria. Um, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you and disagree with you within the same thing. So I disagree with the notion of um, if head-to-head means something for another team, it has to mean it for the for another scenario. I just heard somebody say it. So head-to-head means nothing. And actually, no, people, because it it's, doesn't always apply, if you say something doesn't always apply, doesn't mean it should never apply. It meaning nothing doesn't mean it means everything. You know, you know what I mean? Like, these two, this notion is just, it boggles my mind that people say these types of things. Like, well, I guess head-to-head doesn't mean anything. So in other words, everything that isn't always applied doesn't mean anything. Is that what we're saying then? Because- No, I, I, I agree. You know what I mean? I agree with, yes, but, I agree with that sentiment. Um, however- I'll agree I with you. Think, where, where, yeah. Let me tell you where I agree with you before you say anything. I'll agree with you in most likely whatever gets you to Michigan is better than Michigan State probably will also get to you to Ohio State is better than Oregon. So it's exactly. not a flat out, it's not a flat out head to head should matter. And, and as like a, as a tiebreaker, as if these are standings, because they're not standings, I don't want them to be standings. They shouldn't be standings. Um, but if in terms of, you know, if we're looking at quote unquote, either style points or talent or who's played better throughout the whole season, that type of stuff, which gets you Michigan just ahead of Michigan state will probably get you Ohio State ahead of Oregon. Also, one final point, though. I love the notion of like, oh, my God, I cannot believe you think this. You think one team should be six and, I, and, and, and the other team should be seven. Well, how would you rank them? Oh, I just flip them. Oh, oh, real, oh so you think so differently. Like, like we're literally moving these teams by one slot. And acting as if like bananas, how could you possibly think that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, I, I, in my opinion, when you're looking at these types of rankings, and I do believe that this is part of the process when they are going through it, um, or it's supposed to be part of the process when they're going through it, when we're looking at tiers, right, or, or little segmented groups. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to mean like one through three or one through five. It could be you know, just number one, and then two through four, and then five through eight, and then nine through whatever, like it, there are different tiers in which I believe that these programs end up being differentiated into. And then within those tiers, that's where that kind of stacking becomes less questionable to me in terms of, like you said, when you're looking at a Michigan and Michigan state six and seven, you know, if somebody has it seven and six, you know, in favor of, of the other way around. I I think it's hard for you to go, you know, absolutely wild and crazy about it. Um, You know, it it would be a very, like, to me, I I think granted, I don't think Oklahoma necessarily has the wins uh, on their side. And I don't, I also don't believe that this should be a, uh, a standings. I think if I'm an Oklahoma fan sitting there at number 13, you know, behind, uh, you know, uh, a two loss Ole Miss program, you know, I'm, I'm not super jacked up about that. And I don't necessarily feel like I, I'm being given the, uh, the value that, that I deserve to have, where, you know, six to seven is a, is a much different type of situation. 
And, you know, and again, I hate to say this because this has become like the phrase of the year is, you know, that it'll all play out in the end. And, and the reality is, is to an extent it will. If Michigan beats Ohio State this coming Saturday at noon, I guarantee you that they will be ranked ahead of Michigan. I mean, right. that's, that's State, uh, like, I, I, yeah, if Michigan State beats Michigan this weekend, they uh, beats Ohio State this weekend, they'll jump ahead of Michigan. Okay. If Ohio State beats Michigan State, we don't have to worry about it. Michigan State's not going to be jumping over Michigan at any point soon anyway. So let's so, let's dive into that then. The the Big East race, it, it's it's down to three teams. It is Ohio State, who is undefeated in, in conference play. Uh the Buckeyes play Michigan State this Saturday and they finish in Ann Arbor. The following week, you have Michigan State at 6-1, and one, also controls their own destiny. Uh, their lone loss is to Purdue, a Western uh, divisional team, and uh, they play the Buckeyes, followed by Penn State. I heard somebody, if Michigan State wins this week, they're going to the playoff, they're winning, to the, w- winning the Big Ten. Maybe I would not automatically give them a W against Penn State. And then there's Michigan at 6-1, and one, who does need help in terms of winning the Big Ten East. They would need um, Michigan State to lose at least one of these two games um, uh, for them to end up being Big Ten champs. Just winning out won't get them there, although some would say it's a likelihood. Um, How how do you handicap this race um, going into the final week? You know, in terms yeah. of you have you have Ohio State and Michigan State both controlling their own destinies at the same time. Um, Michigan, to some extent, has the easier slate, right? Because both Ohio State and Michigan State, I think, have tough games while Michigan has Maryland this week. Yeah, that that Maryland game definitely helps Michigan. Um, it's kind of like when I when I think about uh, which Big Ten team is going to be heading to the college football playoff or at least winning the big 10 every single year. And we talked about it before the start of the season. To me, one of the top teams always has to be whoever the favorite in the West is. And that just has to do with probability, right? The, the odds Correct. are right. Like there's a game out there for Michigan that quite frankly, Ohio state doesn't have Ohio state's playing these two other teams. These teams have played each other first of all, and already have that off the table um, in terms of Michigan state and Michigan. Michigan has that game uh, against Maryland, which I think is safe to say that out of the six games remaining for these three teams, it is most definitely the most likely victory. So to me, that automatically gives them kind of a a leg up uh, in this whole scenario. And And we know for sure either Michigan State or Ohio State will lose this week. One of those two schools will lose. Absolutely. So, you know, the reality, the reality of it is, is, um, these this, these are not games uh, outside of that Maryland game that you can you know very comfortably put in the win column for for either program. And, and listen, I know that Penn State's not not getting respect from the committee, but they're, when they're healthy, when they're put together, they're a solid football team. I'm not saying that they're at the level of these three programs because they're not. Um, but they've come out, they've fought Michigan, they fought Ohio State. Like to me, there's no reason why they can't come out and beat Michigan State in that game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's really, really difficult to handicap this. If I had to, I'd pick Ohio State purely because they're, they don't have that conference loss right now. 
Um, but then after that, it would be Michigan and then Michigan State in the, in the, in the three-hole if I had to pick them in a, a most likely scenario to win the East Division. Um, I, I think that's a fair uh, analysis there, too, because I, I think Ohio State does deserve um, some benefit of the doubt. Obviously, we have the, the, the whole Harbaugh cannot beat Ohio State factor um, mixed in there. Um, I do believe am I, 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 I do believe this would be what would this be the third or fourth time potentially that Michigan would be 10 and one going into that game. I believe third it's time, the right? third time. Yeah. Right. I believe it's the third, third time. time. I believe it would be the first time at home. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, you know, it, it's definitely going to be a very, very fun two weeks. Um, seeing these three teams go at each other and I, and I'm on the same page with you. I mean, I don't, I, honestly, I might put, I, I think if Michigan state and Penn state played on a neutral field, I, I'm not sure what the Vegas line is going to be. I, I it, it could be Penn state favored or, or it could be like a pick them. Yeah. Is I mean, and, and yeah, I think that's fair. I think when you, when you see some of these lines coming out this year and you see, you know, Purdue against Ohio State being a very similar line as that Michigan State, Ohio State line. I think it tells you a lot about the respect or lack thereof that Michigan State's getting um, from the people who are making the lines out there. And um, listen, we we can, you know, kind of protect this, but the reality is that they're not doing this to lose money. They, they have right. an idea of what they're doing out there. And, um, you know, they're not just you know, talking heads on a, on a TV show on ESPN or a podcast like you and I, there are people who are out there with uh, large scale algorithms who, who are putting this, putting this information out there. And, um, you know, I, I think when you, when you saw what Purdue was able to do to Michigan state's past defense, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried for Michigan state's past defense this weekend against Ohio state with, you know, three of the best wide receivers in the country, even though uh, certain certain awards uh, semifinalists might not agree with that. And uh, with a, a potential Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback, it, it can be real dangerous. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about this week's games at the end. I, I, I just wanted to add, too, like, I am not, um, you know this, um, I'm not the biggest Sean Clifford fan, but I, I got to give it to the kid. He, he's a gamer. He, he's a gamer, man. He, he is, um, he's kept this team into in, in games where they, when they have um, no running game whatsoever to speak of, he is getting beat up and hit because their offensive line is just getting beat at the point of the attack. And, and it, it's like basically like a two man offense. It's him and Jahan Dotson as, as a playmaker and, you know, watching them play the last few weeks. And obviously you can see the difference, right? Uh, you know, we can knock Clifford, but when he was not healthy or out of the game, they, they, couldn't, they, they couldn't get a first down against Iowa and they lost to Illinois. Meanwhile, you know, he tore up Maryland, had a big game against Ohio State, gave them a chance to beat Michigan. So, I, 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 you know, I just want to give a little shout out to Sean Clifford and and just his guttiness. I honestly, the way the game started against Michigan last week, I I would have put money down that he wasn't going to finish that game. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. He definitely takes takes a lot of a lot of crap. He, he's the type. He's not necessarily the, the talent uh, that a lot of these other teams. Whether it's you know C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, uh, McNamara, you know, or, or McCarthy, uh, Michigan. He, you know, even a guy who hasn't necessarily lived up to the potential, but like a Graham Mertz walking into the season at Wisconsin. You know, that's not who Sean Clifford is, but he's the type of guy who really does play above the talent. And I think he helps, uh, you know, rise, raise the tide for all the ships uh, of the Penn State program. So, uh, unfortunately, the, the wins haven't necessarily been there for them this season. Uh, but I agree. You definitely got to give the kid props. He, he's put it all out there this year. Yeah, I mean, if, he's, if he never gets hurt, I, I think there's a good chance they might be a one or two loss team. Uh, yeah. Probably two loss, but still, you know, they, they, they might still be in the mix in theory. Uh, all right, let's move on, Lloyd, to the Big Ten West race. Um, not as sexy because we're not talking about teams that could make the playoff, but teams that could impact it in terms of uh, the Big Ten title game. Um, you have Wisconsin is the only team there that does not need help. They're five and two in conference play. Their losses are to uh, the aforementioned Penn State Nittany Lions as well as Michigan. So they have no divisional losses. They have Nebraska this Saturday, followed by at Minnesota. Iowa is also 5-2, and two, but they already lost head-to-head to the Wisconsin Badgers. They also lost to Purdue, who is a contender. They have Illinois, who they should handle this week, and they end at Nebraska. So Nebraska is going to have a lot to say about this uh, race. And uh, one game behind both of them that need even more help. Uh, But it's realistic. It's possible Wisconsin could drop a game to Nebraska or to Minnesota. It's possible Iowa could lose to Nebraska um, on the road. But so Minnesota's four and three. Their losses are to Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa. And they play at Indiana this week, followed by Wisconsin at home. So potentially that could be a game for the Big Ten title, Big Ten West title, I should say. And then Purdue is the least likely at four and three because they've already lost to Minnesota. They've already lost to Wisconsin, although they did beat Iowa. They do have the easiest games in terms of Northwestern and Indiana coming up, but they need the most help. So it does appear to be uh, Wisconsin's race to lose. They're on a winning streak. Um, You told me I had them ranked too high. I don't know. I think my Badgers are looking pretty good. They've, They've backed me up the last few weeks. What do you think? I think you're right. I think they've got gone out there and they, they've proven me wrong. Uh, they've definitely decided. And I think part of this is quite right. They decided to just be Wisconsin, right? They, they did, decided yes. to, to stop trying to like be Wisconsin plus, you know, adding things to it. They just decided to do what they do best. And they, they you know, use in the offensive line the way they're supposed to run the football. Don't, don't throw the ball more than 15 times in a game and play elite defense, uh, you know, that is led by some, some really great linebackers. And, you know, it's really proven to, to work. And listen, I, I mean, it's, it's been the facts for, I mean, 15-ish years now, uh, you know, it, just be Wisconsin and it will work for you out West. And I, I definitely can understand the frustration of potentially, you know, continuing to bang your head on that ceiling. Um, but if you're, if you're a program like Wisconsin, if that ceiling, which, you know, this year we're not going to get there, but if that ceiling's a, a 10, 11 win season, like it's not a bad ceiling to have, man. 
Um, so, but they've, they've definitely been able to turn it around. They've right, righted the ship. And I don't see how you don't look at them as the likely program to end up in Indianapolis. Yeah. And you know, they, they could have won that Penn state game. They had a fourth quarter lead against Notre Dame and then a kickoff return for a touchdown kind of set things off there. And uh, yeah, I remember, I remember a couple weeks ago, I can't remember exactly which game it was where, on my betting podcast, I was picking them. And part of the reason I was picking them was because I just read off Graham Mertz's attempts and they were just going down by the week. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if he stinks. If he doesn't throw the football, it doesn't matter. And Braylon Allen is 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 a beast. I mean, Trevion Henderson, rightly so, is is getting most, if not all, the attention among freshman running backs. But Braylon and uh, Allen, a 17-year-old who reclassified um, to graduate high school early and is one of the youngest players in college football. Looks like a man out there at 230 pounds. He, he even has some breakaway speed. So they're back to playing good old fashioned uh, Wisconsin football. Um, Lloyd, I, I, you know, last week, I don't know how much. By the way, game. by the way, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's the, the Wisconsin version of Quinn Ewers, the big-time uh, quarterback recruit at Ohio State, who right. has not seen a playing field this year, but he's the one who's actually getting it done on the field in a big-time way, and, and I feel like not enough people are talking about it. Yeah, and, and the, th the funny thing is, it's like nobody even talked about him, right? It was like, oh, Quinn Ewers is doing this. Is, is this going to be a, a negative uh, part of the NIL piece? And it's like, you know – I don't, I, I'm pretty sure Braylon Allen didn't do it for the NIL part. Um, I, I was surprised when he did it at first just because he was projected as like a linebacker or a safety. And I'm like, uh, you know, true freshman, 17 years old, this is a deep linebacking core. It kind of didn't make sense for me. But when he they put him in at running back, that kind of made a little more sense because now you're talking about – a position of potentially of need where Ches Malusi was coming in as a transfer, but he was an unproven guy and obviously just a less complex, more instinctive position, particularly in, in Wisconsin scheme in terms of, you know, it's much easier for a running back to step in than a, a, a back seven guy on, on the Badgers. So yeah, definitely. And a kid to watch out for over the next couple of years as the Badgers get back to playing Badger football. Um, yeah. The other two and teams. Holistic. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, and holistically, like, you know, just defensively, it's been absolutely insane. You know, granted, they haven't necessarily been facing the, the highest level of offensive efficiency or, or efficacy uh, in their opponents. But, you know, they haven't given up more than 14 points in a ball game since they played Michigan in early October. Uh, they're yeah. giving up about a touchdown a game uh, on average over their last six. And it's just it, it's just absolutely silly to watch. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily see that changing very much over the next two games against Nebraska and Minnesota. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to, to see how that defense kind of holds up down the stretch here. Yeah. Leo Chanel in particular has had an amazing season. He missed the first couple games of the year and he's still high up in terms of sack totals because of his blitzing ability, he's been a beast against a run. I've, to me, he's like the best ever um, uh, defender against the option. He was literally like leaping over the line and almost taking handoffs when they played Army. He was lined up over the center, almost like a nose guard, just ready to attack. Um, he, he's, he's had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. And, and you know, 
whoever ends up going to the Big Ten title game, it's going to be a dogfight when they play the Badgers, I think. Um, Lloyd, we've talked about the teams, you know, competing for the division at the top. Um, with two weeks left, only three teams have been knocked out. Indiana Hoosiers at two and eight. They're the only team in winless conference play. Um, and then you have Nebraska at three, three and seven, Northwestern at three and seven. Interestingly, all these teams were projected as bowl teams going into the season. The Wildcats and Cornhuskers both had win totals of six and a half. Indiana Hoosiers had a win total of seven and a half, believe it or not. Who, who do you, out of those three teams, who would you say is the biggest disappointment this season in the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the biggest disappointment this year is, is Indiana, just based on the, the big year that they had last year. I think that this was a year, myself included, did not expect them to have a similar year to what they had last year, but thought that this would be the type of year that started to build a program for them where they were consistently a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. Um, I think that that's the program that I'm most surprised by. Uh, I'm continuously surprised by Northwestern, though, um, with their just sheer ability to go from whether they make the, the Big Ten title game or, you know, have a have a three or four win season. Like, there just seems to be no middle ground, and it, it just seems to boggle my mind. I, yeah, the, the only consistency is their offense is unwatchable. It doesn't matter if they're, if they're going to the Big Ten title game or not. They have no QB play at all. They, they have no passing offense to speak of. Um, I, I'm actually going to go uh, with Nebraska and your boy, Scott Frost, just because I think out of these three teams, um, which one doesn't belong and why? It's Nebraska. They, they, they are too talented to be one of the bottom dwellers um, in the Big Ten to be a, a fourth year in a row under Scott Frost without making a bowl game um, that they, they don't, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, these teams, Purdue do not have better football players than the Cornhuskers do. Um, neither do, do Indiana or Northwestern, it, you know, Indiana, I, I get what you're saying in terms of they started the year um, ranked, but I, I thought that was a farce. I, I thought, you know, I, I, I should say I, I, I did too. I did too. I, I, but I should but say a little, little two and eight. Yeah, I, I you know, yeah, I, I get that. But they also, you know, they, they didn't beat anybody that had a winning record last year. So to me, that was a paper, that was a paper record that they had at six and two or whatever it was last season. Um, I, and I think you know their season has kind of fallen apart. You know what I mean? If, if, if we saw Nebraska, I mean, this is Nebraska with Adrian Martinez and I know people like to rip him, but let's see next year. Let's see what happens when somebody else comes in. If they, you think in, if in the past three years, this is his fourth year, you think if in the past three years, they had somebody better, that guy wouldn't be quarterbacking right now at in Lincoln. They would be. No, so I, imagine, I, I if, imagine if that Nebraska team was down to their second, third or even fourth string quarterback, what that offense would look like, which is where Indiana is right now. Um, and Lloyd may, may be more surprising than those three teams, not making a bowl. The fact that there's two weeks left and Illinois Rutgers and Maryland all have a chance to make a bowl. Illinois has four wins. So they need uh, two more, including they will need to pull off an upset against Iowa. But if they do after that, 
they play Northwestern, a definitely a very winnable game. And then Rutgers and Maryland both end the year against one another. So guaranteed one of those two teams will make a bowl. Um, I don't, I don't see Maryland uh, beating Michigan this week. Maybe Rutgers could sneak up on, on a Penn state team that is coming off a game against Michigan and looking ahead to Michigan state and whose season is a big disappointment Probably not, but maybe. So out of those three teams, what do you think of their bowl chances? Sure. So I'm going to give the best bowl chances to to Maryland right now, just because they're going to – to me, it's it's, I'm just picking that Maryland-Rutgers game uh, when it comes to the two of them. And I'm going to pick Maryland over Rutgers um, in that game. To me, uh, you know, I I think both both teams – have improved in certain ways, but also are, are kind of who we thought they were in other ways. The game is in New Jersey, um, although not that has not seemed to necessarily matter much, nor does that crowd at this point really show up to, to change the environment uh, for a road program that, that comes in there. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, I think, to be honest with you, I, I think it's, I don't want to say it's impossible, it's going to be really tough for Illinois to get there. Um, I don't think Iowa is the Iowa program that a lot of people thought they were. I don't think either of us ever thought that they necessarily deserved to be ranked where they were ranked. Um, but they're definitely a better program right now than Illinois is. But I'll tell you this, uh, coming into the year, Illinois winning five games, uh, maybe even six games, there aren't a lot of Illini fans who wouldn't have signed up for that uh, before the season kicked off. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how, how about this, though? Let me ask you this. Who, out of those three programs, who do you think would be more most likely to pull off an upset this week? Oh, you know what? Let's save that. Let's save that for when we do our Week 13 preview. You can put that little nugget in the back of your head. We're, we're going to get there pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, as you mentioned, it's kind of tough to judge because they haven't – they've played – the outside of going to Michigan Rutgers has played the better big 10 teams at home. So they got obliterated by Ohio state. They lost by 18 to Michigan state and they lost by 49 to Wisconsin. Um, their biggest loss of the season. Those were their home games. So yeah, um, they've actually performed better on the road that, that, that is Rutgers, but I, I'm with you in Maryland because, you know, They've when they haven't played the better teams, they've done well. You know what I mean? They not necessarily well, but they've won. You know what I mean? They yeah. they've they beat West Virginia, they beat Howard, they beat Illinois, they beat Kent State, they beat Indiana. Um, it's not necessarily pretty, but they've gotten the W in those games, and they actually do uh-huh. have a like passing offense that understands how to matriculate the football through the air, which Rutgers well, is still trying to I- figure out. I kind of feel like Maryland is the like test case for teams, right? It's like if they are the team that defines if you are better or worse than average in the big 10 or or something like that, like they're kind of that, you know, that, uh, you know, Mendoza line in baseball or whatever it is, where it's like, if you're worse than Maryland, you're not very good. And if you're better than Maryland, it doesn't necessarily say a lot about you, but it means that you're in that top half of what's going on um, in the conference. Yeah, but the crazy thing is it's like out of their five, their five losses have all been by seven, at least 17 points. So when yeah. they lose, 
They've they've they been lose. pretty much getting hammered. Yeah, exactly. So before yeah, they, we leave they these plus five of the last six. Yeah, bef- before we leave these teams, um, wh- which one are you most surprised is is where is where they are? You know. Yeah, um, for me, I, I would say it's probably Rutgers. Um, just being five and five, one game away from from bowl uh, bowl uh, contention. Um, I agree. And and the fact that they're in the East, right? Like, I mean, you know, where Rutgers was, and, and you know, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about how good Rutgers is this year. Like, pump the brakes on that, guys. But the reality is, is that they were so embarrassingly bad. Like, they were. Uh, among the likes of like the Yukons and UMasses of the world, just, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. And now we're at, I mean, there were games where, you know, when they played Michigan, when they played Ohio state, they were losing 60 to, to seven, you know, yeah. it, there, these games were, you know, 40 points and above, you know, now they're to me, they, you could take away from a game like the Michigan game where they lost by seven um, to me just as much, if not more, than, than uh, you know, some of their wins. But, you know, they've gone out and beaten teams that going into the year, like in Indiana, was supposed to be better than them. Uh, Syracuse, who's had a, a, a better year than was expected. Um, you know, they beat them early in the year. You know, I, but I, I, listen, none of these three teams are, are going to, like, jump out at you and say, wow, they're incredible. But I just think the progress that's been made um, you know, in Piscataway has been really impressive by Greg Chiano, and I don't see it necessarily slowing down. I think the tough part is just kind of who else is in their division and how much how much more growth opportunity there is. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you um, on Rutgers, and it is because they're not very good, which is why it's so Correct. impressive that they are at five wins. Um, as much as they're in the East, I will say though, I think. The schedule did kind of work out in their favor in the sense that they got Illinois and Northwestern from the West, right? Which they only split. They didn't even win both of those. They split one of those two games. So it shows they could still be pretty damn bad on any given Saturday because they lost to to Northwestern. Now, and, and in addition, I think when they played Indiana was the perfect time, right? Like, you know, Indiana's down to their fourth quarterback, freshman, like had they played Indiana five weeks ago, I doubt, I don't know if they're going into Bloomington and winning, not that Bloomington's a tough place to go into, but you know what I mean? I think Indiana was a better team in September, early October than they were last week. And, you know, Illinois actually by far has the best wins of these teams, right? They went to Penn state and won, and then they beat Minnesota a couple weeks ago uh, in, yep. in Minnesota. So they have two impressive road wins, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be tough for them to get to six. As for Maryland, I, you know, honestly, they should be a bold team. So I think Maryland should be, they should be at least six and six because their, their, their talent level is good enough. You know, it's not like Michigan state has significantly better players than, than Maryland does or a Purdue who beat Michigan state, you know what I mean? Or a Minnesota. Like, I think they should be at, at that level, uh, a team that's, you know, on the cusp of even being ranked. I think they have enough athletes there. They've definitely suffered some injuries, which seems to be a bugaboo for them all the time. But I don't know if you agree with me, but I think Maryland, like they should be a bowl team every year. Yeah. I, I think they should be a bowl team just about every year. I think the talent in the area uh, should afford that to them. I will say like, I, I don't know if I give them credit or uh, think it's a little naive 
that they're scheduling a team like West Virginia out of the gate. Um, but good for them going out there and getting that done. Um, because, you know, it could be real easy to kind of quote unquote schedule for a bowl. They have Kent State and Howard uh, out there on the schedule. It would be real easy to, to put another team like a Kent State uh, in place of that West Virginia game um, to get them to three wins. I mean, I, you can kind of schedule yourself to four to five games, four to five wins a year in the Big Ten relatively easily. Uh, you know, when you when you're looking at whether it's uh, a Rutgers or an Indiana at the bottom of the, the East. And, you know, if you have one of those easier crossovers in the West. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's no way that, you know, they're, they're definitely it's tough that they have to deal with uh, the trio of Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State. But I think um, there's no reason why an Indiana should be better than Maryland or a Rutgers should be better than Maryland. Um, I don't think either one of us love uh, Mike Loxley and, and, you know, I, I think I give Greg Schiano a, a edge in terms of a coach, but I think Maryland does have the better players. So I, I would lean towards Maryland with you on that. All right, Lloyd, um, before we wrap it up, let's look at week 13 uh, back to a full slate after having two teams off next week, obviously the big game of the week is Michigan state playing at Ohio state. Um, it's, it's a, a top 10 matchup in name only because the expectation is that the Buckeyes will handle the Spartans rather easily. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the expectation. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's been, uh, it's been since the start of the, the season, uh, since when Ohio State faced Minnesota and Oregon, since they've faced a, uh, a team that will run the ball the way Michigan State will. Uh, you know, they've, they've faced a whole bunch of teams that have either had dreadful offenses or an offense who can throw the ball around, but they've not faced a team who can run it against them. So I'm inter- interested to see uh, how that impacts Ohio State defensively. This is not a defense that has been very impressive all year. I do think that they have gotten better since they looked absolutely terrible at the start of the year, but I, you know, I think they're kind of an average defense. I understand that the, the team rankings are, are relatively high at this point, but I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, whether it's the non-conference play against Tulsa and Akron, or, you know, just to be honest, some of the other Big Ten offenses that make it really easy for you to put up uh, big time stats. There's a reason why so many Big Ten teams are in the top 10, 15 ish, 20 ish in the country in terms of defensive efficiency. Yes, they're very good defenses. It also has to do with the, the type of offenses that they're facing as well. And this is a, a defense from Ohio State whose you know, best linebacker uh, you know, is a converted running back. And when you're talking about a team like Ohio State who recruits basically as well as anybody in the country, the fact that that's the case tells you that there's there's a missing component there, and, and it, you've seen it uh, throughout the year. Whether it's Bryson Bryson Shaw uh, in, in the you know in, in the in the defensive backfield or the linebackers, uh, it has not necessarily been pretty. Um, but I, I do think that the Ohio State offense is going to have a much much uh, easier time moving the ball up and down the field, and I think eventually it's going to be that it's going to be the Ohio state offense throwing the ball versus the Michigan state offense running the ball. And, and, you know, typically if you can throw the ball effectively, that's usually going to be the the winning formula. Yeah. They, this is a, uh, the worst pass defense in the country in Michigan state. Um, 
they play very, very soft uh, coverage because they know they, and they still give up a ton of yards. It's a kind of a bend, but don't break. So I guess the hope is uh, play a similar game to Penn state where, you know, when Ohio state gets in the red zone to, you know, hold them to field goals rather than touchdowns to try to keep the game close. Um, you know, we've kind of had like a roller coaster ride with Ohio State, right? Where it was, oh, they're not that good um, after losing to Oregon. Uh, then they had a bunch of blowouts and it was like, oh, you know, this is the Ohio State University. They're going to be back in the playoffs. Then they had a couple of close games and it's like, all right, maybe they're not that good. And then a big blowout last week. Do, do you think, one, do you think, um, how much do you, because you are an Ohio State guy, I know. Uh, you watch this team intently more than any other team. And I, I know you, you, you give a, a fair assessment of who and what they are. So do you think last week uh, showed that, Hey, yeah, Ohio state is a legit, um, you know, top dog in the, in the big 10. And if not, is Michigan state really going to be the challenger or are we going to need to wait and see what happens in Ann Arbor? I mean, listen, I think it was a, a better test than they've just about faced since Oregon. Um, you know, that you've got the Penn State game and the Purdue game since that Oregon loss as your two best kind of uh, data points to point to when you're talking about Ohio State football. But I mean, we got the think... three and seven Huskers, too. Don't forget. <laughs> I mean, we, but... we laugh, we kid, but, you know, this is a team that's played – um, Michigan, Michigan State, and Oklahoma, as well as Ohio State, into single digits. Well, I, actually, there are only two Power Five teams in the top ten for both explosive offenses and limiting explosive plays on defense, and that's Ohio State and Nebraska. Um, I saw that <laughs> early, that stat earlier today, <laughs> and like when when you when you see that, it, it just kind of blows your mind. But you know, I, I think that um, I think that that Purdue was a, a, a solid test, but it's not going to be something that tests the uh, fortitude of this team in comparison to uh, what they're going to see down the stretch. And, and if they are able to make the college football playoff, I don't necessarily think that Michigan State's going to be that defense either. Um, so to me, this is something that it's going to be interesting to just see what Ohio State's able to do defensively and how they're able to control the tempo of this game. Are they able to make this game their own? Or are they going to let Michigan State come out and dictate the tempo. Um, another thing, just real quick about this game, something, uh, you know, you and I talked about Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher went out. He got a contract before the start of this year. Guess what? They weren't necessarily as good as everybody hoped they were or thought they were going to be. It looks as if Michigan State is locking, locking Coach up to a $95 million deal, Mel Tucker, a 10-year, $95 million deal as being reported by the Detroit Free Press as we speak. <laughs> is, is that Mel Tucker going, hey, I'm about to lose this game to Ohio State. I might as well cash in the chips now. Bet on yourself. Are you going to bet on <laughs> yourself or not? It doesn't seem like he is. It looks like he's cashing in before this game, man. Yeah, no, you know, I can't blame him. I'll cash in for 95 million too right now. Don't. I, 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 you know what I mean? I, I can't say I would make a different decision if I was in his shoes. Um, I'd also like to point out that this is just 
the tenth time since 1980 that a uh, top ten versus top ten matchup has featured a spread of 18 points or more. This game is at 19, 19 and a half in most books right now. Um, the favorite is 10 and 0 uh, straight up in those games, but is only four and six against the spread. So I, I would not be surprised if that's where this game kind of ends up around that number. Um, this is, you know, I think after this game, there's not really an, another marquee marquee game. I guess the closest thing would be those Nebraska Cornhuskers and their ability to get big plays and prevent big plays, um, explosive plays, and they will take on Wisconsin. Um, what do you think there? I, it seems like uh, from what I've, I'm hearing out there, a lot of the people in the gam- gambling community uh, are liking Nebraska here, getting the points. That line has moved down, and I, I know we're not necessarily uh, doing the gambling pod here, but that line's moved down to nine points in a lot of places from from ten. Do you think this is another um, Nebraska? You know, keeps it close, but uh, falls at falters at the end. Do you think, or wh- which way do you see this game going? Because it because it could go a lot of different directions. Yeah, I think it could go a lot of different directions. And I do think that this is a type of game that gives Nebraska a, a chance to win. Um, I think Wisconsin kind of plays into, into Nebraska's hands a little bit in regards to slowing the tempo, running the football, uh, reducing possessions. Uh, to me, that's kind of what Nebraska, whether they lo- actually want to do that or not, I think it, it ends up working in their favor based on the statistics and what shows off of what they've been successful in and how they come out uh, being successful by limiting those plays. So uh, to me, this is going to be a, a tough one. I, I, th- I think it's you kind of, you know, like you said, we're not talking about the gambling, but when you're looking at a, a, low, a potential low scoring game like this with, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have it in front of me. I can't believe that the over-under is a lot more than, you know, 40-ish. Um, if you can get nine points, it, even still, you know, obviously you would have liked to have gotten more when, when it was available, but if you can get nine points in a, in a game that's going to have around 40 points scored, I, I like your chances. Yeah. That's kind of a, um, kind of like a betters uh, axiom, right? If you could, if, if the numbers are around there, it's kind of just hard to cover. And yeah, it is. It's, it's at 42 at most places, um, I'm going to watch this game myself to see where the line goes. FanDuel's down to eight and a half. Uh, this is my question, Lloyd. It's like, I don't, I don't know how much these Huskers players have left in them. I don't know what, what, like, what did they have to play for? Scott Frost um, knows he's going to have his job back. We had the whole offensive staff get fired. So I, I'm just, I, I don't know how much fight this team has left. Yeah, I think it's one of those those games or, or like the end of the season really for Nebraska where one of two things happens. Either they rally the troops and it's, hey, let's go out there and let's win these games, even though we like let's win them for ourselves. Let's win them like let's start next year, right? Like this is the start of next year. We've got two big games to end the year against ranked opponents, top 20 teams at Wisconsin and then at home against Iowa uh, in that rivalry game that they've created. Like if we can win those two games, it's going to send shockwaves through this division heading into next year. Let's get ready for that. 
or they're going to come out and get absolutely rolled over. Um, and, and I think you're going to know that within like the first quarter of that Wisconsin game. Now, listen, I don't, I don't think that they're, they can still come out and do all those things and lose these two games. Don't get me wrong. Like the, you know, these are, these are two tough opponents that they're playing. And I think the reality of it is, is that, um, you know, you're going to be able to see what, what's there. And if the players are buying what Scott Frost is still selling, um, which will give you a, a good insight into did this make sense or was this a good move football wise, right? We're not talking about the finances or what yeah. makes sense for Trell Alberts as an AD, just flat out football wise as a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, like do, are the players buying what Scott Frost is selling? And I think you'll know at the latest by halftime against Wisconsin. Fair point. Fair point. All right. Last one. Before we go, and quickly, because I got a 15-year-old texting me, uh, hurry up, pick me up. Um, we got <laughs> Michigan's at Maryland. Iowa's hosting Illinois. Uh, Minnesota is at Indiana. Purdue is at Northwestern. And Rutgers is at Penn State. Uh, any upset alert in any of those games? Are you, are you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Um, I would... To me, I would say the, the biggest upset alert, I, I, would, I would put out uh, Illinois over Iowa. If I'm going to pick one, that's the one that I'm going to go with. Uh, you know, I think, again, the way, that, the way that these two teams play, what, you know, it's similar to what you see in basketball when, when teams slow it down. These two teams slow it down from the offensive perspective. Um, and that, you know, one big play, two big plays can change the impact of this game. Uh, you know, when you're 40 points or under in a game. So to me, if Illinois can, can, you know, whether it's in the return game, whether it's on special teams, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a key turnover, that that's a game where they can go into Iowa and potentially uh, steal one. All right. That wraps up the show. Lloyd, thanks a lot for joining me today to talk about big 10 football, something both of us, love to do whether it's you know on the air or on our cell phones or via text whatever it is um i'm your host danny mogo you can follow me on twitter at dan the big man b1g man and don't forget to tune in on uh friday for my big bets uh podcast i'll throw it out there i'm 34 23 and one on the season plus 15 units not too shabby uh, if I do say so myself and not too late to jump on board. So uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, looking forward to giving you out some more winners later in the week.